On this week's episode, we talk about Albert Pujols and his historic 700 career home run milestone. Some new players have entered the conversation for National League MVP. The playoff picture begins to solidify with a week left in the season. And is Aaron Judge cooling off when it matters most? Find out now. Hello listeners, my name is Alex Jonitz and I am joined as always by my co-host Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Alex and I are coming to you live. It is Monday, September 26th, Alex. We're about one week away from playoff baseball, one week away from the season officially ending. Uh, Today, Monday, not too much of a heavy load with baseball games. There's only four going on right now. I'll kind of briefly cover Reds, Pirates. I mean... That really doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's more of a pride series, I'd say, for uh, for the standings. For, but For the fans, really. Exactly. And then, of course, you have Braves, Nationals. Nationals, of course, really not fighting for anything. Braves, of course, still fighting for a division. We'll cover this a little bit later with the divisions and the standings. Uh, probably the biggest game, Alex, Yankees-Blue Jays. Right now, if the Yankees were to defeat the Blue Jays, Yankees will win the American League East and clinch that title. Um, of course, again, we'll get into that a little bit later. They're up 2-0 right now in Toronto. Last game of the night is Baltimore and Boston. Right now, of course, Boston was just eliminated a couple of days ago. And then Baltimore, they're still fighting. We're going to cover that. But, of course, just wanted to give you an update. They're up 5-1 right now, Baltimore, in the second inning. So still putting up a good fight for this season. But me and Alex, let's start off with the big milestone that was reached this past week. This past weekend in L.A., Albert Pujols, 700 home runs. And what a special game it was, Alex. He hit two in the game against the Dodgers, an onslaught of offense from the Cardinals that game. But what a special game to do it in L.A. against his old team. I guess old team for about old teammates for about four months of the year. It doesn't really feel like it was an, it was he was on the team for much, you know, right. Very, very long, a very long time. But it's his old team, the, the Dodgers. Uh Thoughts on how he how he did that in Hollywood? Yeah, uh, he said himself that he was happy to do it there. Um, we, we have a unique sort of relationship with our pools. I know he was like one of your favorite players of like that first decade of his career in St. Louis. The memorable postseason moments, the incredible seasons of just putting up MVP numbers year after year, just some of the best offensive numbers you know, we saw in this millennium, really. Um, And then he comes to the Angels, and he still is clearly like an all-time great, but the year-by-year production just took a really steep drop-off. So a lot of Angel fans have, you know, a bit of, you know, resentment there from that contract he had. But Travis, I will say that no matter what your... you know, stances on, on pools is, you know, second half of his career. I'll say this, you and I both were c- almost counting them out. Yeah. We, we thought that this milestone of getting up to 700 would not be reachable. I think especially when we got to the point where COVID shortened that season, mm-hmm. um, it came down to the fact that we're like, okay, we don't think he's going to be able to get a contract after this angels contract. Of course we were wrong about that. 
um, because he proved it with the Dodgers, what he's capable of. And then we didn't think that he'd be able to have, you know, this level of production at this age. And uh, somehow, you know, I think the diminished workload combined with, you know, because he's only playing that platoon role, not playing first base uh, very much at all. And combine that with the fact that he's, um, I think he's in a situation that he's happy with in St. Louis. And then he also has, you know, they're really focusing on on the optimal matchups for him. It really has kind of brought out um, a special... Uh, level of production that we have not really seen from him since he was in St. Louis last time, just from an offensive perspective. So, you know, what he's been able to do this season has been um, completely, uh, you know, it's been, it's been incredible to witness, I'll say, because I think that no one real, I mean, even the most firm Albert Poole supporters did not see this level coming, right? Um, no matter how much of a believer you are in his career to be, you know, 42 years old, putting out these kind of numbers, Charles, I saw some stats about like home runs since like early August. And he's like second behind judge in MLB. Wow. Like, you know, out of everyone in the home run derby since the home run derby, he has the most home runs. I know it's crazy. It's like what we, we we thought they put him in that home run derby as a joke, and then ever since then he's had like he's had like twelve home runs or whatever it was. And usually, guys' power dies down after the home run derby. He friggin' he picked it up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hats off to what he's accomplished this season. It really is uh, the ultimate exclamation point for a Hall of Fame career. Uh, if he didn't get to seven hundred, it would not be any sort of like tarnish on his yeah. legacy. It wouldn't have been any sort of a of a, of a low note. We all would have understood. You know, he still was up there with Mays and with uh, A-Rod and stuff like that. But now he is in an exclusive four-man club with himself, Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron, and Barry Bonds. You know, yep. three of the three other, you know, uh, best volume home run hitters of baseball history. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the one club I do like that, you know, we talked about all the time is he's in the, you know, triple digit war club. He, he, climbed, he was below that. He climbed back in a, about yes, a year base, and a half ago. Baseball reference war. He his his own his own his own production was negative and it brought him down. But yeah, he he is someone who this last I would say ever since the Angels cut him till now. Um, and it's crazy, Alex. The Angels cut him. He was at six hundred and sixty-seven home runs total. He was seven more than Willie Mays, and we thought, congrats. You know, I don't think he'll get to a Rod beat willie mays he'll be outright what fifth place all time in the home run uh chart um and then i mean like i like we've been saying for the last couple weeks and months i mean what he's been able to do this season has just been a level of production we have not seen since 2011 his final season in st louis uh it has been remarkable and it has been incredible one thing i'll note alex is i think his time in la with the angels i i truly think that and believe that MLB voters come five years later would look at that and say, okay, some guys have really good halves of their, of their career. And then the second half just kind of goes to, you know, goes to hell. I'm not going to make you a unanimous hall of famer. I think this season might make him a unanimous hundred percent vote getter was, for the hall of fame. I think the last couple of years with Anaheim, I was really looking at that and saying, I could really see him only getting 95% of the vote. He'll be a first ballot hall of famer. No problem. But to have that extra level of, would you get 100% in the vote year one? I think now um, this season definitely captures that. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you what you thought about that because 
the Angels stint. I mean, it's crazy. It's like nine and a half years of his career. It's a long yeah. time. And it was, if you look at the averages for that time span, you know, it's just not the level of... I mean, a 109 OPS plus hitter from 2012 to ha- 2020. For half his career. Half his cra- career. It's crazy. He's he's barely cracking league average. And and that's as a first baseman DH, which you're supposed to be hitting. Yep. And then you're being paid. When the, when the contract was signed, you're one of the most expensive players in the league. But, you know. And you had one of the craziest postseasons in 2011. Three home runs in a game. You know. Yes. And insane so, numbers. And so the, you know, it, it was, I think that contract alone, Travis, is something that really has taught MLB front offices about how to offer contracts to players. It should not be about rewarding past performance. It should be about thinking about what's coming next for your career. And no one really predicted um, him to kind of fall off as much as he did with the Angels. But all that being said, Travis, I think you're right that this Dodgers stint followed by this kind of exclamation point Cardinals year, it will do a lot to help voters remember him in a much better light than if, if if the Angels cut him, Travis, and instead of the Dodgers grabbing him, say, you know, whoever, like the Marlins or someone yeah. picks him up, and he has like a nice little hot finish, but like he doesn't get to show what he's really made of, like he did with the Dodgers, and then he like maybe doesn't, maybe the Cardinals don't give him that offer, or, you know, who knows? I think, I think things could have ended a lot worse. Yeah. They're pretty much ending the best possible way for Albert, um, really? which yeah. is, which is great for his career. And like you said, it'll be great for his Hall of Fame voting. I, I don't know if I can predict a unanimous. Um, it's just going to be so tough because, I mean, the, the Derek Jeter thing. Yeah. I don't think, you know, 99.7 or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm pretty low on Jeter's like all-time ranking. Like I don't have him that high. But the fact that like someone out there is so bitter and stubborn to be like, I don't want him to be unanimous. I'm just not going to vote for him. It's just like there's just some voter being stubborn out yeah. there. So there could just be some voter who's stubborn about Albert and says, you know, we, we weren't happy with his Angels production. <laughs> therefore... Well, I'm not gonna, Angels beat writer. I, I'm not going <laughs> to vote him first ballot. You know, it just the, the way it goes is, is just really silly sometimes. So I can't. I'm not really going to predict uh, if he will be unanimous or not. But definitely, I agree. The Cardinals and Dodgers stint um, is the best way he could have possibly reminded voters like this is you know Albert Pujols right here. This is definitely. what I'm made of. So definitely, it's a huge boost for his you know his resume, and it's awesome that you know. Uh, baseball fans got to see him go out like this yes. because if things trended the way they did with the angels, um, it would have been a really big kind of sad fade out. Um, instead he's going out with the bang. So that's yep. awesome. Yep. Um, Travis, we can move on now to the other milestone watch. The one that's not yet been completed. Unlike Albert, um, Aaron judge is still seeking, uh, his 61st home run. He's still stuck at 60. Um, a lot of people were looking at that Red Sox series as a chance to do it. He got really close in a couple at bats, some warning track shots. But he, had, he had warning track walk off power almost. It almost was there. <laughs> we were watching that game as it was happening, and I'll just tell you when I saw when I saw the the cameraman should be fired. Yeah, well, sure. <laughs> the cameraman totally messed it up, and he made it seem like it was going to be a 500 foot mammoth shot, and it ended up being a warning track flyout. But, um. When I saw Barnes warming up, I wasn't very confident, and I thought that you know there was a good chance that uh, Judge might see a pitch he likes. But um, he squared up on one and did not get it all the way out. He still is sitting at sixty. 
Um, the game is happening as we speak, so maybe at some point we'll have to issue some sort of, you know, correction. But as of right now, he's sitting at 60, Travis. Um, there is, I think there is some element here of pressure getting to him. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's like, you know, there's still so many games left that for him to hit, if for, for him to not hit two more would be like really crazy yeah. and like really yeah. like, oh, geez, like that's how you went out kind of thing. But um, Especially so when the last home run was hit on two, this past Tuesday, which was almost one week ago. So Right. So I'm not predicting that level of like a... Like a two-week drop-off of no home runs, yeah. I'm not predicting that, but I'm just saying like there has been a slowdown here. And mm -hmm. and it's it's part of that is just because the the pace he was on is not sustainable. Yep. No no one can do that forever. No one can yep. be a over a 200 OPS plus guy forever. Um, no one has been able to, to, to exhibit that outside of like primary bonds for like a multiple year stretch. So we know that judge is not going to be, uh, you know, that, that caliber indefinitely. So at some point it's going to slow down, but if it were to slow down right now, um, he's right there at the finish line. He can see the finish line. Um, it would be definitely really, uh, it'd be really tense if like we get down to like three, four games left and he still has to hit one or two more. So In Texas, yep. Um, any thoughts on where he's at right now? Do you think the pressure um, has slowed him down in his tracks a bit? Do you think there's been a change of approach? I've seen a little bit of like some check swings that he kind of swings on and yeah. strikes out. And, you know, I don't think he's swinging just for the fences. I think he knows that, you know, he has to be a good hitter for the Yankees and yep. be a, a complete hitter. But there's definitely some level of it may be getting to his head. What, what do you think, though? I think what's going to be the most tense is that if they win tonight, they win the division and they pretty much secured a second seed and a first round buy out they're not going to catch houston we'll get to that of course with the rankings and i don't think cleveland's going to catch them but after you secure the division you're basically all eyes are on you now i mean the winning part it matters but it really doesn't matter anymore because you've already locked that spot in the game or in the postseason but um i think it you know you're on the doorstep you literally need two home runs you need one home run just to tie and i think Tying, of course, would be a big home run, but you always want to come here for the record. You don't want to come here to tie, but unless you're our pool, 700, that's fine. You don't need 701, but I think the pressure is getting to him slightly. I think he is a, he's just a pro hitter. He's just an elite hitter that I think that if he just focused on line drives, which I know that's what he's probably definitely doing. I mean, he's going to hit two out in a week. He should hit two out in a week, but, um, you know, I, I think you start looking at this past weekend, the Red Sox, what a, what a, what a fitting way to hit 62 against the rival Boston Red Sox, one of the greatest rivalries in sports, to do it against them. Couldn't do it. Now you got to move on. And now, of course, you have one week left. Um, it's going to come down to the it's going to come down the wire. I think I think it's I think it's really going to be uh, a, a tense situation. I don't know if he does it in Toronto. You come home for one more series. So maybe there isn't too much pressure in Toronto. Maybe you look at it and say, hey, I still have to, I still have one more homestand against the Baltimore Orioles. I can come home and do it against Baltimore. But after that, then, of course, you go to Texas. Um, and I think, he, you know, he wants to do it at home. So uh, I think with him, it just kind of it boils down to staying with the approach and not getting away from it. I think when you try try hitting home runs, that's when, you know, you're just looking at flyouts and strikeouts. So um I think it got to him this week and I think that the the moment looked really big for him and he wanted it. Thank God it happened during the Apple TV broadcast. But uh, you know, I, I think it's it's gotten to him a little bit with the pressure. Yeah, I, I, I agree to some extent too. Um like you said, there's still a few series to go. He's going to have his chances, so it's really going to come down to if he can pull it off. One thing I want to touch on as well in this whole judge conversation is this. 
people keep saying, you know, the record of 61, right? And um, 61 is, of course, the American League record. But, like, people don't really say that. Like, they just keep talking about, like, the record. And, and, and the Maris family, they came out and they kind of vocally said that they think of 61 as the record. And they think that when Judge hits 62, he'll be the home run champion. Yeah. And it's just, like... You're skipping, I, like, 10 I, names. I, I understand <laughs> I understand the uh, frustration and being upset about the steroid guys. But it's kind of like the Astros... Um, 2017 ring right it's like yes you can if you want to like discredit it or like if you want to say um there was cheating involved or whatever like Mm -hmm. you can say that but you can't say it didn't happen because i mean we saw it happen like we saw bonds hit seven i didn't see it i was a kid but like bonds hit 73 home runs you know mcguire and sosa in 98 they had this crazy home run race they both passed maris you know it's just it's just simply what happened. And so um, people acting like that judge, I mean, what judge is doing is very historic. Mm-hmm. I think it goes beyond the home run chase because his overall numbers, the on base and slugging is really, really special this year, especially considering the dead ball that's been going around this year. Um, everyone's offense is down, but judges is way up. So I think what he's doing is super historic in a complete offensive production stance. But just in terms of like the home run record, it is very exciting. But I think it gets kind of twisted up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, have you noticed like the same thing where people kind of like, I feel like there's so much hype around 61, but like no one's ever really given him a shot to get 73 just because it's yeah. so crazy. Like yeah. 73 is such a big number. But yeah. like, I mean, to think you have to do 10 more than 10 to still pass bonds one if someone were to pass bonds one day um is pretty incredible to just think about and just pretty insane to see someone if they were to hit i mean they'd have to be at 60 alex like end of august to have a shot at bonds and i mean i i i I don't know how how i don't know if anyone will do that again i mean i I, it's a record that i i mean if i had a bet will it be broken in my lifetime i could see someone i mean with the way some people are hitting nowadays i mean we're just cracking on the doorstep with guys like Vladdy Jr. with Shohei Otani with seasons that they had last year. And honestly, we haven't even seen a full healthy Trout with the last couple of seasons he's had. I mean, I think Trout would literally be close to 60 if he had a full healthy 2019. If he had a healthy, you know, 2020 or 2021, he was having some inc- insane starts those years. But um, it, it is I, I see people kind of like looking at it as the record now. And, and that's, you know, I mean. I always consider it the AL record. I don't consider it the MLB record. Bonds has the MLB record. I will definitely admit he has the mlb record sosa and mcguire both have you know upper 60s if not i think mcguire has like 70 or 71 um for his record but uh i mean it's the al record and i mean i I know the steroids might be a little bit of a of a of a you know a bad look on it and you might not like it but you're right i mean it happened yeah we celebrated it we looked at it i mean these guys saved baseball practically so um I, I think the sport would be a lot different if Bonds and Sosa weren't around and, and Bonds, Sosa, and Maguire weren't around um, and have broken those records. But, you know, I think we need to focus more on Judge and how special of a season he's having and can he pass Maris. I've always thought of it as it's it's an AL record and it's also a Yankee record. So I think those are the two things I want to focus on more than MLB. Bonds holds that and, I mean, there's really nothing we can do about it. Yeah, I I like the way you broke that down because um, a Yankee record is a big deal because it is such a storied franchise. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Babe Ruth um, and then Maris himself, the guy who had the record for so long, um, 
But yeah, it's funny. I, I saw someone on Twitter saying today, you keep talking about the AL record, but no one talks about it when Sosa and Maguire were doing their chase. No one cared about the fact when they passed Hack Wilson for the yeah. NL record. So they yeah. passed when they got the NL record. Like no, one, everyone just cared about Maris yeah. at, at the point. But anyways, yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. I think. Uh, what, what would you does, put? Does the, he do it? <laughs> I was about to say, what do you put the percentage at? It's definitely very high. I think it's north of 50. I think it's like 75% he'll, oh, he'll get there. I think it's yeah. definitely north of 50. Yeah. I okay, think, I, I think it's, yeah, 75, 80, 85. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's still a really good shot. He's got some great, he, he's got some good hitting ballpark still left on the schedule. It's not like he's, like he said, it's not like he's going to Baltimore and he's got to play with that left field out because then he'd have to really dig into one and he'd just be working crank off that of. one like 480, you know, yeah. with that wall and that absurd field that they made now. But he's playing at Yankee Stadium. He's playing in Texas. Texas has nothing really to play for. Baltimore might not have anything to play for in about a week. So, um, you know, right now the big series is Toronto. Toronto might be pitching him a little bit uh, more on the um, uh, conservative, conservative side. They might yeah. be looking to walk him in certain circumstances because they don't want to get beat. So that could be something that affects him in the Toronto series. But um yeah, I, I still think it's a really good shot. His his the size of Aaron Judge makes it possible. The guy is a titan among peasants of the league <laughs> of how big he is. But last question on Judge before I move on here, um, I saw this on Twitter too today, and it really sparked my curiosity as to um, if they would consider doing this or not. Last year, Shohei Otani won the MVP, of course, and then he was awarded the commissioner's historic achievement award. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a chance they give that to judge if he breaks the Maris milestone? I think so. Yeah. I, I think, I think there's going to be, a, there's, there's going to be a Yankees buzz, Alex, and it's going to be, Yankees, I agree. I agree. And I think that they give it to him because he will have broken an AL record that has not been broken since, you know, 1961. So you're looking at something that's over what, 60 years old, 61, 61, 61 years, yeah. years ago. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that, that it's, it's, it's a great shot that he'll get the uh, commissioner's, uh, you know, award trophy. I think he could, does, does, do you think that that, like, if you had a vote to say if he should get it or not, mm -hmm. would you vote that he should get it? I think so. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, th I think like a historical, a historic achievement like this, it hasn't been done in, you know, just, decades ago I, I think i think you should get it now of course shohei did something that hadn't been done in over a century you know it's a little bit different i think when you look at shohei's historical achievement award when you look at judges historical achievement award but i'd vote for him i i think he has a great shot i think he has a great shot at probably being um you know some of the awards that shohei got that we hadn't seen were i think didn't he get like sports illustrated male athlete of the year or so. sb's male athlete now i wonder if, if uh, aaron judge will be up for that as well too will he be one of those guys that has to, you know, almost tie Shohei and all those things. Um, and then we can get into some debate, Alex, after the season's done with Shohei and Judge. I know we've been yeah. stuffing that down the listener's throat with, you know, what exactly is the MVP? How do we, you know, characterize it? Um, that'll be fun in about a week. Shohei, I believe, still has two more starts, Alex. I think yep. he has one still in Anaheim against the A's sometime this week. And then most likely, again, I think in Oakland. So he might have to face the A's two more times. A's beat up Jacob DeGrom. So, hey, maybe they got some late season magic. They can get to starters. But um, it will be more of an opportunity for Shohei to basically just showcase his dominance against MLB teams. So it, it'll be fun the way it wraps up with the season. Yeah, I think yeah, it, it'll... It'll be tight down the finish, and we'll cover that more next week. I just think on the Historic Achievement Award thing... Um, 
it almost it almost feels like this to me. Last year, Shohei we saw was so special and mm-hmm. and out of this world, and then he's kind of doing it again in a different way. Yeah. Um, I feel like it has made us almost think that everything we're seeing is like, yeah, on that level of insanity. Yeah. You know, yeah. like what Judge is doing. Like I said, it's a historic offensive performance. But um, I mean, would they give? They wouldn't give pools the commission uh, commissioners. I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to look up yeah. how many guys have gotten it. But I think there's only been like a it's only been a handful it, of times. It's, it's it, I think it was like, like I think Clementi got it. Yeah, po- uh, it's like 13 guys have gotten it posthumously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, and, and that's what's nice about it. It's it's a rare prestigious award that can only be given out by the commissioner, and it's something that you know we hadn't seen in how long. I mean, I, I think that we hadn't seen that award probably since Bonds. I don't even know if Bonds got it. So. Uh, It'd be interesting to look up when the last guy got that award. But anyway, so. So I think um, the people who have gotten it, I just pulled it up here. Um, It was given to Bonds in 2002. Okay. um, When he got 73 homers. 04, Roger. 2001, right? Huh? 2001 when we got it. Oh, so I think he was given the award in 2002 for got what it. he did in 2001. Got it. Okay, got it. Um, in 2004, they gave it to Clemens for his seventh Cy Young, <laughs> but it was six at the time. Mm-hmm. They gave it to Clemens, or sorry, they gave it to Clemente, Roberto Clemente, but they gave it to him in 06. Obviously, he had yeah. already passed. Um, King Griffey Jr., when he retired, uh, or actually in, 20, in 2011. So it's been given out a bit more than I thought. Yeah. Tony Gwynn in 01. Um, so it just kind of give it to like historical figures, yeah. I guess. Oh, two Ricky Henderson. So it's kind of weird. They give it to a lot of these guys when they're like past their prime. Right. Yeah, and then yeah. Jeter in 2014 for, Oh, okay. Uh, for being Derek Jeter, I guess. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> and which then, I guess you get kind of like you know, you get, you get washed up in that, you know, kind of like what they did as a career, which I get, I mean, there are people have great careers, but I would want to see it more for an individual single season, you know, for yes, yeah, something. I mean, if Jared specific- Walsh hit seventy four, hit seventy five home runs, he should get it. But it's like he had a great year, but not, you know, his his career is still the, the, on the Hall of Fame track, but not nowhere near Hall of Fame. You know, it's kind of like I want to see the individual season, then you know what you did that career. I mean, two thousand two, Ricky Henderson is probably it's probably hitting like two fifty. So I, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go ahead and based on the guys who they've given it to. Um, I think it would make sense for Judge to get. They yep. gave it to Ichiro for the 262 hits. Mm-hmm. They gave it to Jackie Robinson's uh, wife. Uh, obviously, uh, this is 2007, so like he was already passed. So it's just yep. like they just kind of give it out to guys who, when they see fit. But um, I just had this saw it on Twitter, and people were kind of wondering if he would get it. So I thought I'd bring it up. Mm-hmm. But Travis, we can take a sh- another shift over into uh, some of the standings going on right now. Uh, some teams have clinched. Some teams are preparing to clinch for the postseason or their division or the wild card. And then there's some races still going on. Some teams are not mathematically out quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we can start wherever you want, but I say... Actually, no, we'll start where I want to start. <laughs> I say we start with the Cleveland Guardians. Got they it. they clinched um, just the other day uh, their spot as winning the AL Central. Travis, the Cleveland Guardians going into this season, I forget the odds that uh, different sites had them at. But I think they were like 74 wins over and under. Right. No one was picking them. People were probably telling you to take the under on that, yeah, right? Like yeah. people were saying, take the under. Um, 
it's it's going to be they the have White a minor league team playing. It's yeah. going to be the White Sox, and if not, then it's going to be the Twins because they got Correa, and they are. If it's gonna, not going to be them. It's going to be the Tigers. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like it was no one was really there was no buzz on the Guardians, and I think you and I both probably said at some point in the off season, why are you extending Jose Ramirez? You could get such a big package for him. You know, it's crazy to think they look got for the future. Yeah, they got a really good package in hindsight. If you look at it for Lindor, it's mm-hmm. almost like a win-win trade yeah. because the Mets have been, you know, they've been really uh, playing great ball with Lindor. At the same time, the Guardians got back Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, um, and and it just like just impact players on this team mm-hmm. that just full of like it just kind of a really kind of deep consistent team with like not a lot of superstar power outside of Jose Ramirez but the team is deep enough to where they can just consistently win games in that AL Central division so I think they're all like 24 years old too they're the youngest team yeah and I saw Uh, a stat line yesterday Alex that was saying basically they're the youngest team in baseball and the last eight times where the youngest team has made the playoffs they've all reached the world series right so maybe there's some magic there with the guardians where you know they have they, they have a mentality definitely of we're young we don't have any experience but hey you can count us out right now but we might shock you i mean literally I mean, they literally just hit the ball to death alex they don't hit extra base hits which we of course really don't like we like teams that will hit extra base hits but they just seem to win it with pitching and then they just seem to hit you to death so um they're just a scrappy ball club they're, they're scrappy and guys will step up too yes. St- steven kwan has been their left fielder he's been a great glove a great contact hitter not very much pop at all he just pops a grand slam on sunday or <laughs> sunday or saturday it's just like what is going on here like they just know how to get it done at the right times and and i mean i think uh andres jimenez yeah. yeah, I think he's. I think right now he's on. He, right now he has a seven baseball war. I yeah, mean, I mean, what what that come from? Yeah, I mean, he, where did that come from? He absolutely would be like a contender for like if if they made up a new award for like, um, like I think he, breakout yeah. season yeah. kind of thing. You yeah. know, yeah, um, he'd for sure be in that conversation. He's been super, super um, key for that team yeah. that is, uh, you know, now clinched a playoff spot. But yeah, Travis, the biggest takeaway for me, uh, in my mind. Is that as fans, every single offseason when we're kind of evaluating what's going to happen, there's always going to be a team that everybody's wrong about, I yep. feel like. It's yep. always going to happen. Um, there's probably always going to be a team that everyone thinks will be good and it's not. And there's probably always going to be a team that people think will be whatever and they end up being actually really good. I don't know if I think the Guardians are a really, really, really good team, mm-hmm. but they're definitely good. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think they take they definitely benefit from the fact that they're playing in the AL Central. Yes. Um. And I think they lack some of the upside. But once you get to the playoffs, we know that all things are possible. Um, I think the Nationals and the Braves last year are two, the two big examples where you can yep. say everyone picked them to lose the wild card, or if they, or sorry, to lose the first round in the in the in the DS. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'm going to predict Cleveland to do the same, just because <laughs> I'm tired of getting burned by counting out the kind of team with the low win total. But yeah. um, but Travis, um, the biggest takeaway for me is that. If we count out these teams, uh, I mean, I I think there's always this, this level of randomness. So I, I can't really say like, you know, next offseason, Travis, when we're doing our predictions, we should think about, you know, which bad team is going to be good. Because it could be anyone in any, like last year it was the Giants and this year it might be the Guardians. But um, it's just crazy to me how we were so set on them 
They should trade JRAM. They should rebuild. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not committing very, very much money to like free agents. They didn't sign. I don't think they signed any free agents. They were agents. one team that we talked about. I think they were one of like four teams that did not sign anybody. And, and you know, their big it, thing was extending JRAM. And it's like, he, okay. He, he, JRAM yeah. got their biggest contract ever for the, for the franchise. But it's just like, you guys could not commit to Lindor. Yeah. You traded him for scraps, which ended up being very valuable scraps. It became, you know... M- somewhat of star player in in Jimenez but you know it just it's just uh really shocking I'll say to see a team that um I think they're so well run internally like the development is so good the pitching always seems to be good Bieber kind of bounced back this year yeah just all the young players like Jimenez and Quan really developed um perfectly uh j-ram has been a star but even i saw some stats today travis i guess he's had a thumb injury mm-hmm. and in the in like the second half or maybe like the last two months um his ops plus in that span is like 10 something like mm-hmm. it's not that good mm-hmm. so he kind of fell off with with in an endeavors in, yeah with an injury yeah and um you know he hasn't been you know he's been an average hitter in the, in the last couple of months essentially but um the takeaway is that the team is deep enough right yes. the team is deep enough to withstand that um, and so I just wanted to shout them out and give them praise because I feel like I counted them out going into the season as did many, oh, many, many 100%. people. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, when, a, when a team gets counted out like that, but they believe in what they have, you know, I want to give big, big props to the players, to the pitchers, to the development staff. I'm not going to give props to whoever decided that we should only spend 30 million on our staff because <laughs> I mean, Travis, imagine if they were a more aggressive if they were a bit more aggressive, I'm yeah. not saying go get Correa like the Twins did, but like you could have signed a couple pitchers or a couple, um, you know, extra bats, and yeah. like you could have really like surprised us because you know they've they've had some players like maybe Fran Reyes has had like a really poor offensive year, I believe. I think Miles Straw had like one of the lowest uh, OPS pluses in the league. So like if you if they had like really filled some holes with uh, some free agent acquisitions. Um, or some trades of some sort, like they really could have been um, more of a juggernaut or more of a real threat to be like getting some real world series consideration. Yeah. But but even besides that, I think what they've done internally um, in Cleveland has been special this year. And I think that that's a that's a tribute to their also their chemistry. I mean, I think that them they all making almost league minimums is almost a a rally for all of them. They don't have to work with some guy that's getting, I mean, of course, Jose Ramirez is the only guy, but they don't have to work with a guy that's getting paid $30 million. No, no egos. Exactly. And so I think that that really was a nice um, boost for them. I think all those guys, I know a lot of the guys came in the trade package from the Mets for uh, Carrasco and Lindor, but I think that's also a nice contribute to, uh, you know, all these guys getting brought up in the system and going through Cleveland Indians minor league baseball and how it all goes about. But um, I think that's a good chemistry boost for all of them that they knew all of us are getting paid scraps and we're still going to come out here and win the division. So, um, and then also a big boost to, uh, you know, uh, Terry Francona. I mean, guy's just a winner. I mean, guy literally has done so well wherever he goes and manages. And I think people, I think he had a, I think he got surgery last year and actually got um had to had to leave the the team for a couple of months or last couple of months so it was kind of like what's his contract look like with the Indi- or with the guardians and then this year it's like what does this team look like i mean we all looked at them and just said i mean this team will be this team will be fighting for third place at the end of the season but right now they won the division one of the craziest um you know upsets for the division winners so far uh for for at least the al you know nl as well too but um, I guess do you want to move on with some of the AL teams. I mean, I, I, mean sure. I, I know I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I mean, right now, Alex, it's it's about a 99 percent chance Houston will be the number one seed going into the playoffs. 
They will, of course, get a buy right now at the Yankees today. If they win, they will get a buy as well and get the two seed. So right now we're looking at Cleveland, Toronto, Tampa and Seattle as the four teams we will see playing for the first wild card weekend ever in Major League Baseball history. And right now it's matching up to be Cleveland and Seattle, which is kind of fun because you get two young teams that really know. I mean, people expected Seattle to at least be good because of what happened last year, but Getting into the playoffs first time in 20 years, then you got Cleveland, this just young, exciting team that just surprised everybody. That could be a really fun series. We won't know exactly if it's going to happen yet because the wild card rankings could shake up. But right now it's looking like Toronto could be hosting the Tampa Bay Rays. So a good AL East matchup for the wild card. And then you've got, of course, Cleveland hosting Seattle. Um there could be a huge upset. Baltimore, four games back. I was gonna a one say, team. Do, you, do you give any chance? You know, right now it's probably like one percent. It's one percent. Baltimore has a good series coming right now against the Red Sox. Could make some noise, but then of course you just gotta pray and hope Seattle goes downhill. We looked at their schedule last week, Alex. Seattle plays, I think, one of the easiest final weeks of baseball. Um, it I, is. It is quite easy. It's Texas. It's the A's and hmm. it's the Tigers. Okay. So I mean, teams they can really easily take care of. But I will say, part of that easy schedule we covered was they played. Oakland as uh, in Oakland, they lost two of three. Yep. Then they went to Kansas City and lost two of three. One of those was a crazy. They comeback, were they yeah. were they were up eleven to two. The Mariners were. Kansas City does a crazy comeback. I think it was a ten run inning, eleven run inning, and ended up winning that game, stealing it from Seattle. If that ends up coming into any effect, yeah. That would be that'd be nightmarish. It would be nightmarish. Yeah, yeah, That's a good yeah. way to put it. So I, I do think that there's not. It's not zero. Yeah. It's not it's, zero. It's, not it's zero. unlikely because how easy the schedule is. But yeah. You know, Travis, we we support a cursed franchise. I would say in the Angels, <laughs> the Mariners have some level of cursed to themselves as well. Just knowing, you know, how the fact that the last time they made the playoffs, they had like the record for the best record ever, and then wins, just yep. haven't made it since. Yep. Longest drought uh, of any team. So that alone is almost a bit of a curse in and of itself. Yep. They're looking like they're going to break it, but I just don't want to. I don't want to screw them over by kind of penciling them in too early because yes. they still have to handle business against Texas, the A's, and the Tigers. Otherwise, um, you know, the the, a the Orioles have a bit of a harder schedule, I think, but um, there's a chance the Orioles maybe, maybe they can really stick it to the Yankees if the Yankees have already clinched, you know, so. Yes, yeah, um, that's true too. This weekend the, in New York, Baltimore could play uh, just high offensive baseball, yeah. So we'll see how it kind of shapes up, but um, you're right in saying that it's almost a lock that we're going to see Seattle, Tampa Bay, and Toronto as the wild card teams. If that ends up being the case, it's a pretty interesting pool of teams. They're mm -hmm. all kind of different in their own unique ways. I feel like Toronto is this offensive team. Tampa Bay is just like this. <laughs> I don't it, even it, know it, what to make of them. It, I know. It, it's really Isle of Misfit toys. I think we discussed it. I don't know if we touched it on last week or not, but Baz was shut down for the year. They were maybe hoping he might come back. Um, but Glass now is supposed to be like on a rehab start or something like that. So it'd be crazy if he came back just in time. I'm not sure if he'd be eligible for the postseason. I, I don't know the intricacies of how those rules work. But uh, it, it definitely – it's just this crazy thing where I just feel like I could not bet on the Rays, yeah, right? I just yeah. – based on who – you know, they're so smart and they play baseball, you know, the right way in yep. my mind in terms of they play smart. They try to outsmart their opponents. They develop really well. All these pitchers that you never heard of just have these like two ERAs. Um, but 
at the end of the day, I think they just lack the upside, I think, to win series after series against other playoff teams. That's just the way I feel about them. Um, but Toronto, I think they do have the upside. And Seattle, I do think they have the upside to upset yep. a division winner, right? So, yep. Yep. And um, right now we just learned, I think, Julio is... I don't think he... I, He's on the IL, but he I don't know if he's shut down for the rest of the year. I think he had – I'm not quite certain what the injury was, but I know it came out. He's on the 10-day IL or something was, like that. I think it was a back thing, and okay. they, they did put him in the IL. I just All I really know is that he was pulled in the first inning of a game, and mm-hmm. then Coach uh, Service said something like, yeah, he's – it, it was pretty much like what he was saying. He yeah. said it without saying it. He just pretty much said like – uh, it's not very good. Like yeah. he's not very happy about you know what happened. Yeah. So and he's gonna of course. I mean, no Julio in the playoffs. That definitely is a major you know factor in you know seeing if the Seattle Mariners can make a deep playoff run. It affects the ceiling. Um, it definitely does. But I will say, does. Travis, like I keep mentioning, the 2021 Braves did it without without Acuna. It really tells me that you can lose your best player, and it shouldn't discourage the the the, the clubhouse. I'll just True. put it that way. True. Yeah. So. Yeah. That pretty much wraps up the AL. Yep. That's full coverage there. The National League, Travis, the Dodgers are already at 106 wins. They, Travis, they've already tied yeah. their franchise record, and there's you know a week to go. I, I wanted to bring something up because I pulled up this stat that you know basically captured most wins, most single season team wins in Major League Baseball history. So of course, Seattle, 2001, 116 wins. You can kind of get fancy here and there because you could say they won 116 games out of 162 games. The 1906 Chicago Cubs won 116, but in 155 games. So the winning percentages are different. But Mm -hmm. I will say this. Dodgers, they play three games in San Diego, and then they play six straight at home against Colorado. To end the year, yeah. It's a really weird ending for them to play six straight at Colorado. But anyways, they are at 106 wins. If they were to get to 110 wins, which, I mean, basically they're going 500. I mean, that's pretty... They'll do it. They'll um, do it. And so I'm just saying right now, that, yeah. there has never been a National League team since 1910 to win 110 games. So they, of course, wow. are on some... They're, they're knocking on some pretty historic... I mean, I, I will say this season is... I, I talked about last year when we talked about all these milestones, Alex. This year is just capturing even more milestones, I feel like, with team success, individual success. It's incredible. So 110 wins. I mean, we have not seen that, Alex, since... Seattle in 2001 since the Yankees of 1998 but for the NL we haven't seen that in over 100 years so really incredible and what the Dodgers are doing we've talked hours about them and how their roster just doesn't seem fitted to win 110 games but they somehow get it done it's like the if the Rays spent money in my mind it's like they really get the most out of these guys you would not expect um some guy you've probably counted out a bunch of times, get signed by the Dodgers. Like I got like Heaney, Tyler Anderson. Yeah. Um, everyone knows they have potential, but it's never been realized in the MLB level. And, you know, they go to the Dodgers and immediately become these high impact pieces. They lose, uh, Bueller the whole year. I think May's out again. And Gonsolin was like a Cy Young conversation guy in the first half. He gets hurt. He's been out for a while. He, Travis, I just heard a quote from Roberts. I think, if I remember correctly, I think I sent it to you, but if I remember correctly, I think Roberts said May might come back, but but in the postseason would be used in the bullpen role Mm -hmm. just because he won't be worked up to like a starter's workload. And then Gonsolin, the most they'll work him up to was about four innings, which I don't know what that means. If that means, you know, they could get creative and maybe use like, 
uh, a lefty opener, then go Gonsolin, and then go bullpen after that. They could they could get kind of creative. You I need know Gonsolin or something something like Dodgers that, yeah. Dodgers love to get creative like that. Um, but if if that's true, you need Kershaw to be healthy. You're hoping yeah. you need Urias to be good. I mean, you might be rocking with four lefties. Is it possible we see <laughs> Kershaw, Urias, Heaney, and Tyler Anderson as your four man? Uh, rotation going into the playoffs. I mean, if I told you, Travis, that just was don't play the Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely a handful of teams out there that are just like mashing lefties. But if, if I told you that that was going to be the the squad, you know, no Bueller, Gonsolin uh, injured, May reduced role injured, you'd probably be saying, okay, yeah, they probably won their division by a bit. But you would not be thinking, no, no, a hundred, over a hundred ten win pace. It's I'd really, be th- I'd be it's thinking, really crazy. I'd be thinking third seed. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'd be thinking they're probably going to be playing in the wild card weekend. But th- down the stretch, down the down the stretch, lots of starts for Gallo, lots of starts for Trace Thompson. And if I told you this yeah, kind of stuff, yeah. you'd just be like insane. You'd be confused. But um, they have been an absolutely uh, special team this year. The Mets, Travis, they already clinched the postseason. Um, there's a chance the Braves could pass them for the division. Uh, but it's let me see what the differential is right now. It's looking like it's one and a games. half. Yeah, one and a half. Okay. So I will say this, Alex: the winner of the NL East is gonna. It's gonna be very nice because the winner is gonna have that competitive nature of finishing with the division. Unlike, I mean, the one thing about the Dodgers that worries me is that they they clinch basically in July. I mean, I mean, it's almost like they've been kind of on a loose, easy skid for the last couple of weeks. Still playing, of course, good baseball. They've but been I'm, playing great. That's the only thing that I think that Dodger fans and majority of baseball fans worry about is clinching too early. And then you get into this three weeks of, okay, let's start this guy. Let's see how he does. You know, not really caring about the wins. You're caring about almost getting people reps and all that stuff. But I will say the NL East this year, um, both teams that make it, uh, I, I think it'll be, it'll be good for both teams because – you're going to have the winner basically getting a buy, but still having that de- aggressive nature of almost playing playoff baseball for the last three weeks. And then the team that has to, of course, most likely host. Yeah, well, I think we'll host the wild card game. Um, I think they're going to have kind of a sour taste in their mouth that they might go into the playoffs with a um, almost like a vengeance coming at it. So um, I, I will say, I mean, I mean, hats off to both teams. Both teams, Alex, right now could win over 100 games. Which is pretty, it's pretty incredible. And I'll say right now, the Braves are currently beating the Nationals 8-0 to zero in okay. the sixth. Yeah. So they so are looking they're like hungry, yeah. they want to be only one game back. Um, this, I think it's this coming weekend. They have a series against each other. Wow. And it really is going to be what wins the division most likely. If any team, if either team sweeps, it's, yep. it, you can just call it, a, call it a clinch, you know. Yep. Um, what I read, Travis, was that both teams are aware of how much this means for the race, and the Mets are starting in that series, the three-game series. They're starting DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett, yep. and the Braves are starting Freed, Morton, and Wright. Yeah. So it's literally yeah. going to be like— It's a playoff series, yeah. I think I think some Mets fan was kind of complaining that I think they're literally delaying— Frank, Frank Fleming? It wasn't him, but it was it was someone on Twitter, and and they were upset that uh, the Braves, I think, are actually delaying Freed so he can face the Mets because they know why right on you. I mean, why yeah. waste them against the Nationals when yeah. you know there's real chance to gain ground and get that second seed. We don't want to play in the wild card round. Yeah. We want to beat the Mets. And who's when, home? Um, I just checked, and I don't even remember. It is going to be. At Atlanta, okay. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Great baseball right there. Yeah, so um, 
that's going to be a, a huge series to watch for playoff implications, of course. Um, if it, some team wins 2-1, there's a chance that uh, the following season could, could the following series for each team could end up playing a role. But really, by the end of that series, we probably have a good idea of uh, how that division is going to shape up. St. Louis has really run away with the Central mm-hmm. um, in many ways. The, right now, the lead is currently at six and a half games. Um, firstly locked up there. So let's just take a look at the NL wildcard before mm-hmm. we wrap up, Travis. Like we said, that first wildcard spot will either be the Braves or the Mets. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever team does not win the division. It's pretty much a lock. <laughs> they're like 11 games, up, 11 and a half games above uh, the third place wildcard team. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, it's still kind of those same three teams we discussed a couple weeks ago. San Diego, Philly, and Milwaukee are all kind of fighting for two spots. And one of those teams will be left out. It's looking like it will probably most likely be Milwaukee, but mm-hmm. it's not set in stone by any means. Milwaukee's actually playing right now, I believe. And I think that they were... Oh, I'm sorry. They're not playing right now. I was looking at something else. Um, but so Milwaukee is one and a half back. They're out of it looking in. And then San Diego was one and a half above Philly. Philly's in that third spot. So between San Diego, Philly, and Milwaukee, Travis, I'll just say I'm rooting for it to be San Diego and Philly. Mm-hmm. I think that they have a bit more exciting teams. Uh, they both kind of are teams that are aggressive when they're trying to acquire talent. I like that. I respect that. Um I think there's something really wise about the way the Brewers approach development and all that kind of stuff. And I have a lot of respect for the teams that, um, you know, put analytics first and they uh, kind of outsmart teams. I feel like Milwaukee's always been that way. But when a team just doesn't spend, when we've been saying for over a year that if they just went out and got a few big bats, they could really be up there with like, you know, um, the maybe, Cardinals, <laughs> maybe not, maybe, maybe not the Dodgers, but yeah, they could be up there with the Cardinals. They could be up there with the with like a team like the Braves or the Mets. Yeah. Um, if they just went out there and uh, spent a little bit more on some big bats and some, you know, maybe add a couple arms in the pen or something like that. But um, I mean, they got aggressive with Renfro, and he's been he's been great for them. He's been just, he's just, been he's paid off in a huge way, and yeah. it was it was a really smart trade by them. You yeah. know, Jackie Bradley Jr. It's looking like. Red Sox got, you know, yeah, they got robbed. But um, essentially, my thought is, uh, like I said, just get two more of those. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there was there was options also in free agency that we knew would have fit well um, and they just didn't pursue it. They decided to write it out with guys like McCutcheon. Um, you know, I mean, some of the infield has, you know, some level of holes. Actually, Wong's been a pretty solid hitter this year, but, um, you know, he's had rougher years in the past. Yeah. Adamas has actually been really good. But, you know, third base could have been a spot that they addressed a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, maybe catcher two. But anyways, Travis, uh, I, I'm really kind of uh, giving favoritism to the Padres and the Phillies because um, they're just, I think, more exciting in my mind. Yeah. I'm excited to see what um, guys like Machado, guys like Bryce Harper can do in the postseason. Of course, everyone wants to see Soto. We know how good he was in 2019 uh, playoff run. Wondering if he can do something like that again. It's been a bit of a slump in his Padres tenure, but we all know that he um, is still an elite hitter when yep. it comes down to it. So I'm really leaning San Diego and Philly. I'd love to see them. Also, rotations that might not have the upside of like Burns, but I think, you know, seeing seeing Wheeler, Nola as your big two in a rotation, then you have some decent depth behind them as well. Um, I think that's exciting. I also think... Um, you know, Darvish, Snell, 
Musgrove. I think there's just a lot of exciting possibilities, and the teams have really high upside. Um, after, Some good upsets, yeah. After seeing the Brewers last year when they lost to the Braves, I felt like the team ceiling was not very high. I was mm-hmm. like, these bats are just never going to wake up in mm-hmm. my mind. Whereas I could see the Phillies or San Diego sticking it to a Cardinals or a Atlanta Braves or a, or a Mets. Like I could see definitely um, those teams getting hot at the right time. Definitely. Um, definitely. So you seem like you're in agreement. You like, I, I'm in agreement too. I, I'm rooting for Padres Phillies. And I think that those two teams will get in. Um, and I, I, like you said, I mean, Milwaukee, if they get in, I mean, it's kind of like you got great pitching and yeah, great pitching can get you a long ways in the playoffs, but I mean, there needs you got to do hitting too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to hit the ball too. And I just did not see hitting at all last year. Um, and this year, it just probably wouldn't be a very exciting matchup. I think whoever, you know, honestly, maybe that the four C would be um, the, the first wildcard team would be, um, I'm sorry, the the division winner, the Cardinals most likely would be the happiest because they'd be looking at it as like, okay, cool. And I just got to play Milwaukee, which I mean, Cardinals all year have pretty much taken it to Milwaukee. And- It'd be a really funny matchup of like bats versus pitching. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I, it, w- it will be fun. And like I said, with baseball, we don't even know. Uh, we could see the craziest upsets. I mean, last year, the Braves were the team with the least amount of wins in the playoffs out of all the teams. They took it to everybody. So um, it can come down to the wire and it could really, you know, be a be a big, uh, be an upset. But last thing to point on, Alex, I know we wanted to talk about it, but um, we'll quickly go through it. But the, we talked a lot about the AL MVP. We talked a lot about all the awards. We have not talked a lot about the NL MVP um, and just quickly, it's it's coming down to the wire. I mean, right now, I think the last couple months, a lot of people have been saying Goldschmidt. I firmly still believe it should be Goldschmidt. I think Goldschmidt will win it. Um, it's other just, other names are coming into it. I will say Arenado, Machado, possibly Freeman, Mookie Betts, Austin Riley. There's a handful of names. But give me your kind of take on on NL MVP. Yeah, it's it just it's just interesting that it's the narrative has been it's Goldschmidt locked up. Because he was hitting so well in the yeah. first two thirds of the season, but um, he's still hitting great. A 317 average, a 404 on base, and then a 584 slug. But just the fact that he's a first baseman, whereas Machado and Arenado are hitting very, very well, they're actually almost identical in WRC plus. Yeah. Machado is 153, Arenado is 152. Both play elite defense. Um, Machado's actually been pretty good in the base pass as well. And I think I give also just some extra props to Machado for the lack of Tatis. I think if you told if you told fans before the season Tatis will not play a single game this season, Padres are still gonna make the playoffs. If they do make the playoffs in somewhat convincing fashion, if they if they miss out, then I think he has no shot just knowing knowing the voters, yeah, yeah. the voters' natural trends. But oh they'll yeah, they'll 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 hate him. Yeah. But Machado and, and Arenado are both at a, a seven and a seven point one fan graphs war each. I really like uh, both those guys as contenders for the award. A lot of their numbers are quite similar um, with, of course, differences um, in their approach. Um, but their home runs are only one apart. It's really funny. Their RBIs are exactly tied. Um, but Machado really feels like um, such a, like, I guess, a uniting force or just, just and kind of... A, and he's a dark horse this year. Yeah, I, I, think, I think that he's someone who um, has, at the beginning, got some... You know, MVP, you know, he was kind of in that conversation and then kind of faded out for a bit and the Padres were kind of on the back burner. Um, but but recently, I think those two guys are great candidates, um, along with Goldschmidt, of course, still going to be in that conversation. Uh, Lindor, Travis, is actually only 0.1 uh, Fangraphs board behind the Machado and, and 0.2 behind Arenado. Wow. Lindor is someone who the, the bat has not been 
um, on another level. But for a shortstop, 275 average, 346 on base, so getting a good amount of walks, 456 slugging, playing obviously gold glove level shortstop defense mm-hmm. on a team that might win the division. That's going to be a big deal. And then Freddie Freeman has been a really, really special bat all He's season baseball long. baseball on average, right? 328 right now with the 405 on base. That's really good. Uh, up to only 20 home runs, actually, yeah. but still. The power's uh, been out this year, but the contact has been up. <laughs> but based on how good the, the Dodgers are, Travis, I mean, Freeman or Betts, one of them has to be top five in, in MVP Definitely. voting. It just Definitely. has to be yeah. that way. Freeman is the bigger bat with the 157 WRC+. plus. That might lead the NL if you are ignoring um, Goldschmidt. Yeah. Um, and Goldschmidt, I think, has just been better than Freeman just by most numbers. Definitely, so no. I'm okay with Goldschmidt love over Freeman because they both play the same position. And then I'll also throw out their last couple names. Uh, JT Realmuto is hitting really well. Uh, 277, 345 on base, 482 slugging, 21 hormones as a catcher, playing really good defense, and being a really good base runner, 18 steals as a catcher. More steals than anyone else I've named so far, which is, is pretty impressive. Um, he's up at a high war as well. And then last I'll say Mookie Betts is, of course, hitting the ball really well. The average and on base are a bit lower than some of the Mookie years have passed, but he is up at 35 home runs. He may, may he may end up, Travis, um, I'm trying to figure out what is his uh, what is his career high there? Has he got, has he already reached it? Who is it? Uh, Betts. He's already reached his career high in home runs okay. this season, okay. which is pretty impressive. So he's swinging for the fences, uh, Betts, and he, of course, is playing elite defense in right field. So I just think that the the race has opened up in mm-hmm. the last couple of weeks, and no one's really talked about it, including us. So I wanted to kind of highlight it really briefly. Um, but Travis, I think it's not a lock. Goldschmidt is probably in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. but I'm excited to talk about it more next week yep. once the numbers are all finalized. We'll have an episode coming out for sure right when the season uh, wraps up. We can talk about awards. We can talk about Cy Young. Um, you know, Shohei is kind of almost in that AL mix because of some injuries to guys like McClanahan and Verlander. But Travis, we'll we'll save all that for next week. We'll give you guys our awards picks. We can even go um, all MLB teams for the full season bit of playoff preview as well we better do that beforehand because we don't want any postseason bias coming in like last year we right? do not because <laughs> we know that the mlb will release their all mlb team and it'll be riddled with whatever team wins the world series yep, is going to have yep. half the roster spots yep, yep, yep. like they did last but yeah, year next next week uh friday uh, i'm sorry wednesday october 5th last game i think every game actually starts at the same time i know angels are kicking off against oakland at one o'clock so i believe every team will hopefully try to finish their games at the same time that way Everybody can kind of see where exactly the standings are. There's not going to be. We go back. I go back to that. I think it was 2011, Alex, for game 162, that crazy day in baseball history where Longoria hit the walk off for the Rays. And it was the last game of the or the last last game going on that day. And it went into extra innings. It was so dramatic. There were like right. six tiebreakers that were going on. It was crazy. But I think MLB wanted to kind of hone down on that kind of chaos and say, you know what? We're all going to start at the same time. And that makes- way, you know, we can all kind of be we can all see where we're at, hopefully, by the end by four o'clock five o'clock west or pacific time so it, it makes um, sense yeah yeah uh, but per- it will be fun to see once you know there will be a one day break before that next friday the 7th of october kicks off for playoffs so we'll definitely get you guys an episode um at some point after wednesday but before the playoffs begin we'll probably record that night or something so um new episode next week guys look out for it. it'll be a season wrap-up playoff preview exciting times to be following the mlb Um, If you made it this far, we really appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by...
Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>